Our reading this week comes from the beginning of the book of Ephesians, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Am I on, I think? Okay. This is great. Well, thank you for the introduction and the worship team uh, leading us um, to God's presence and for reading of uh, Scripture as well. Um, I just want to ask you, so I'm a little convinced you know, that there are three types of Christians, right? Um, the third, I suppose, and let me begin with the third, is an atheist. Who would you say, um, raise your hand if you're an atheist? Probably not, yeah. And the first level would be, uh, who would you say, uh, raise your hand if you think you are sort of a super Christian? Right. However you define that. And the second level is, and say, if you're a Christian, just, if you're a Christian, who's struggling? Okay. Well, I'm raising my hand as well. Um, Obviously, I'm not your pastor, so I want you to get a feel of, you know, where uh, we are um, before I open the scripture. And uh, um, some of you are probably wondering, you know, what the heck, you know, Johan is doing up here or daring to really preach. And I'm really only here because, you know, David wants to see me preach once at least. Um, and that's okay. You know, I'm very, really, you know, like I said, I'm really grateful for uh, the opportunity. So... I remember the first time when I held a tool that we all know, a magnifying glass. And you know, it's really amazing. It is amazing because 
it just made some things huge for me to see and some things so blurry. And I never forget the first time when I held it at just the right distance from my face. And without warning, the world inexplicably turns just upside down. It really just opens the world in ways you know, that I cannot see. And I think this metaphor serves um, for scripture. Don't we all go through something in our experience that makes reading a scripture a little bit blurry? And sometimes, other, other times, you know, some verse or word would uh, jump at you, right? And I remember before my wife, uh, Lisa, and I moved to Massachusetts um, in 2019, uh, we were in, uh, in Delaware, and that was one of the most difficult times of my life personally and the most difficult time of my life professionally. We're trying to decide, uh, and I, I, I just remember this scene at the beach there. And, and you, something you have to understand about myself is, and when I look at the horizon where the sky meets the ocean, physiologically, something does in me that I instantly just calms down, right? But, like I said, you know, that was the most difficult time of my life. And even, I'm, I'm still like, remembering that memory, and even at that time, I remember, I remember doubting the Lord. I remember doubting His presence. And I said, where are you, God, in this time of, just deciding whether should I pursue church planting or should I pursue counseling. And that was still, I mean, you can clearly see, you know, the emotional direction that I'm having. That was a very sobering moment for me. And it's one of those experiences, you know, that we all can share that would, uh, that would just interfere our way of reading scripture. And I think some, you know, so at times we go through the experiences in our lives, you know, where that um, makes really reading of scripture, and especially that applies to today. In Ephesians, the first 14 verses, there's a whole lot that we can talk about that I unfortunately have to select uh, where I have to, um, in what I'm going to be talking about, but when we're looking at the blurry vision that we may have and the things you know, that really may sp uh, speak to you, I hope that by what I'm uh, talking about today, that we can mm -hmm. at least momentary, you know, momentarily breach the gap between the two. So I'm going to be uh, basically covering um, uh, three points today. So number one, um, basically how the Lord provides for us, how God cares for us, mm -hmm. and number two, how God loves us, and number three, uh, what we're going to do, how we can respond to them. So number one, it's going to be about God's care. And number two, it's going to be about God's love. And number three, our response to it. So let's open with uh, verse three. And it, just instantly, the Lord, or Paul, begins with praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the Greek word that uh, that that's calling us to praise is somewhat like an outburst of praise. You just cannot stop praising the Lord, and that's what call, uh, Paul is uh, calling us to do. And that's a very typical Jewish uh, style of an extended. Um, eulogy or baraka in the old testament it's used for receiving a good gift receiving good news or even to congratulate those whom god has blessed or when when you are giving good news to uh you know your neighbor or uh, to your um just you know those around you and a typical uh, good example is when david uh, in second samuel 22 delivered the wall uh, uh, victory over a wall and that praising of the Lord uh, was um, also, that liturgy uh, was uh, transcribed and we now find it in Psalm um, 18. So, and what many scholars, uh, many scholars um, really don't disagree, at least in the first 14 verses, is what they call cosmic reconciliation. And it has a very high exaltation of Christ. And cosmic reconciliation, as uh, uh, pastors uh, David and Kyle would uh, probably unfold later on, it's really about how all things and all peoples and literally all things on earth, under the earth, and in the skies will bring in harmony around Jesus Christ. And that's what I, that's what I, I also call a cosmic reconcili a reconciliation. And many people would easily find what I call in these uh, 14 verses the depth and the width of Jesus' praiseworthiness. Like I said, you know, for, uh, let's read uh, uh, verse uh, 3 and 4 together, and it says, well, not together, let me just read it for you. Um, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Right? So it's talking about how literally every spiritual blessing in Christ is to praise the Lord. And he chose us from when? From the beginning of the world. Already you, we see that there is a whole width of Jesus' praise, praise, uh, praiseworthiness. And when you look into verse 10, it, what, is, what is the purpose of everybody basically praising the Lord? It says in verse 10, the, last, uh, the letter part of the verse 10, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together on the one head. Right? So the end goal is to praise Jesus Christ as well. And how does Jesus help us do that? And he answers, uh, Paul answers the question in the following verse, in verse 11. It is working out everything. So I just want you to get, there's you know, this theme, right? The depth and the width of Christ. <laughs> it's from the beginning of the world that he chose us. And it is to bring us to the finish line of praising with whom? Literally, with every spiritual being, living being, right? Under the earth, the present time, the future, 
up in the skies. And I mean, it just talks about the completeness of how great Jesus Christ is. And lastly, in verses 12 and 14, what is it? Uh, what's the ultimate end of all this? It is to the praise of glory. It's to the praise of glory. Now, you may be thinking, okay, so that, what I just uh, um, shared with you is uh, one of the major themes, right? At least in the first uh, uh, two chapters, really. And we're to praise the Lord <laughs> from the beginning to the end, to the end of glory. But there are two sides of a coin right here. What if when you, when you don't feel like you want to praise the Lord? Just think with me right here. Just stay with me. What if when you don't want to praise the Lord? Do you guys have a moment at times you know, that you don't, you don't want to praise the Lord? I do. And what do I say? I say to God, look at my need. Something that I didn't really tell you in that opening um, example is that I think when I was complaining, I mean, just I'm looking at the horizon, right? For me, it's just amazing. And I said, Where are you, God? And I think, spiritually speaking, Everybody here, including myself, have some ways, control issues. And I think that's what was happening in that moment for me as well, when I complained, where are you, God? I want to get, I want to know what I'm doing. Am I church planting or am I doing counseling? Show up right now I want to know and I think I wanted to know because I wanted to have a sense of control in my life and do we all not do that over a matter of career choice or perhaps even your marriage over somebody else's feeling about you or you may be wondering, what is my next step next year? Not, no, I mean, not, not next year, just in the coming months. What am I going to do? Or money issues, right? And if not marriage, you know, then lack of a romantic relationship for, for, for us that we want to know. We want to know. And we say, look at my need. And don't tell me to praise the cosmic reconciliation at this moment, Lord, we often can say, in light of today's scriptures. Or you may have you know, control issues over a co-worker or, or your boss at work. Or controversially, I would say to you and me, you may in some ways have control issues 
in your own walk with God. Paul is instructing us to praise the Lord, right? In light of that cosmic reconciliation in mind. But we can say, no. <laughs> Look at my need. What I want to share with you as my first point, how God cares. Whatever area that you may be struggling with, my, you know, uh, myself included, can I just remind you how God cares even in that moment of feelings, a sense of loss of control that we may have? Can I just remind you, God cares. God cares. And I think when I was um, looking at the horizon where the ocean meets the sky, Maybe controversial for some, I don't know, but I'm just going to say it. I think the Lord met me there in the presence of my complaining. I really truly think that the Lord met me there in his own Presbyterian way, I might add, but I think he did. The Lord cares for his children even in your own walk with God, when you feel like you don't see him at work, he cares for you. He cares for me. My second point is, um, just built upon that is, I want to more focus on verse 7. In verse 7, there's a very interesting phrase, and that is, if not the only negative uh, phrase that we see in today's scripture, uh, then one of the negative phrases is that forgiveness of sins. Now, I just encourage all of us, myself included the most, that God cares, right? But exegetically, for seminary folks right here, um, that's, a very, um, interest, uh, that's a very interesting spot into which where Paul talks about forgiveness of sins as just as a passing comment. And I cannot stop thinking about a lot of us, again, myself included, saying, wait, forgiveness of sins? Johan, are you telling me, am I telling myself to, are, 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 am I telling everybody right now that ultimately the most important thing in the world is my sin problem i just shared about how about what about my need right and what about what i'm going through what about you know like you know my marriage is struggling well i'm struggling at work and i'm not making enough money what about this that or that out of thousand things you know, that we can complain about, Paul is instructing us that the most important thing that we need to care about ultimately is the forgiveness of sins. So you are telling me, right, the spiritual problem 
is the most important problem that we may have? I will say yes. I will say yes. What about someone who has been abused? And we're talking about that the same problem is more important than someone being abused. And I still, as hard as it is to admit, is yes. And the only way that the person who, I'm just you know, going with the uh, um, analogy here, the only way that a person who abused you can truly, really win is if you cannot forgive them. And you cannot really forgive someone who has wronged you or abused you or you, you know, whatever, if you feel superior to them. And you cannot actually forgive someone if you feel superior to them. And that's where the gospel comes in because the gospel takes you to the deepest dust of yourself, or it should, for you to realize your need of God and His forgiveness, yet simultaneously it takes you all the way up to the skies for you to realize how great God is. You need both, I need both the emotional affirmation and the emotional ballast that comes from the gospel for me to live my Christian life. Ultimately, what people say about you or me really does not matter if your emotional affirmation, if you know that you're truly loved by God's grace alone. Ultimately, you will not be tethered. But at the same time, we need that emotional or we need humility. We need that emotional ballast out of which to operate how to live our lives at work or just on a day-to-day uh, -day basis. Because only then what we know about the gospel doesn't get into your head alone. It gets your heart and then it gets your hands to live according to His will. And that's why the forgiveness of sins is ultimately the most important thing in our lives. Because without it, we don't have the potential to live to the fullest that God wants us to live. Now, here I'm talking about really the gospel. I'm, I'm strictly talking about the gospel. But let me, let me just back off and ask um, all of us, like, what is the gospel? Like, what is the gospel? Primarily, the gospel has to be understood in the forensic term. And what I mean by the forensic term is, thankfully, Paul talks about that as well. In verse 5, he reveals his own answer about the forensic way of understanding the gospel and he talks about, he literally says, he literally say that we are adopted by God. And let me read 
uh, to you some um, account about what the gospel is, if I have it here. Adoption is attracted to me because it is the perfect antidote to legalism. Legalism was the driving force in my life. I kept trying to be good enough for God. I despaired at how impossible the task was. And at the very heart, I was afraid of one thing, that I'll do something terrible at some point and lose my salvation. Although the church I was raised in preached the assurance of salvation like I'm doing right now, I often wondered if I believed it mostly because I wanted it to be true. The confusion came from the fact that the churches attended preached a lot of things for how to be a good Christian. And I got the feeling that if you failed in any of these areas, areas, you probably were not saved to begin with. And the study of adoption has clarified the confusion I once felt. Adoption is a legal procedure which secures a child's identity in a new family. God didn't choose to be our foster parents. We don't get kicked out of the family because of our behavior. We don't have to worry day to day whether or not we're good enough to be part of the family. In His infinite kindness, God made us a permanent part of the family, and nothing can undo the legal procedure that binds me to Christ. He died to redeem me. He signed the, the adoption. He signed the adoption papers, so to speak, with his blood, and nothing can cancel what he did for me. And I am free from the fear of falling away. Hallelujah. As I walk in my walk, as I walk in my journey to or with Christ, and I often wonder how secure that identity is. Do we all wonder how secure your identity is? The gospel is really about the relations between sin and grace. And we can never repay whatever we do for the for the gospel, the forensic way of understanding, the legal procedural way of understanding is the only way for us to understand the gospel. And let me put it in a different way. In Midwest, there are a lot of houses, and there's a lot of signs that says, beware of dogs, right? And there's a fence, right, all around a house, right? And I, 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 if, if, if somebody has, has you know, uh, bitten, have, have been bitten by a dog, you know, then you know how fearful that is to walk by a very barking dog. But you have to understand, you know, the dog, you know, there's fence around, right? The dog will never get out of the house or the fence. Understanding the gospel is kind of like walking by the fence. You may be scared of a dog that's seemingly about to bark and bite you, right? But Jesus is protecting you. He is actually fighting in front of you as you're walking by so that you don't get hurt. You are 
safe as you walk by the sign that says, beware of dogs. Or let me put it in another way. Haven't we all have the, the worst moment in your life that you made a mistake, right? You don't have to answer me, but like, what is your worst moment that you felt deeply ashamed of? Just, just stay, stay with me for a moment here, okay? And in that moment, whatever that moment may be, you don't have to tell me. Just think about the worst moment that you may have. And you may have felt ashamed by it. As hard that is, as hard as it is for me to even say this to you right now, do you know that God's love for you in that moment was not even one bit diminished for you? That God's love for you in that moment, you may not really have felt it in that moment, but did you know that God's love was there for you? And if you're a Christian, that's what it means to be adopted as a child of God. Because that's how He loves you. He cares for you, and he, that's how He loves you. Fighting on your behalf so that you may feel safe. Yes, the spiritual problem, the forgiveness of sins, is really the most important thing in your life but that will have that 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 will get you the emotional affirmation and the emotional balance out of which to live your life so we talked about how god cares for you and we talked about how god truly loves you and now what can we do about it Another thing that I don't really have a lot of time, so let me, um, let me, so what I'm about to talk about is, uh, you know, as some of you would know, the already and not yet a way of life, the already and not yet eschatology for seminary folks here. <laughs> it basically is um, how to live your present life right now as a Christian in consideration of the future. But... Let me put it in a simple way. It basically means you know, that you have been adopted, as we talked about in my, last, uh, in my second point. So you are a Christian. You've been justified, right? But some, so what I'm talking about here is you've been justified, but you still act as if you're a pagan, right? Your sins are covered, but you still struggle with sin. And that's basically the whole thing about the already and not yet eschatology. And... Remember in my first point, I talked about the end of all things that Paul talks about right here is to bring all things into unity with Christ, right? And that points actually not to the past, some commentator said, and it actually signifies a purpose. And the purpose is the summing up of all things. 
as that's the goal to be achieved. And this is not to suggest that the implementation of the divine plan is not already underway, but the letter, but the letter makes it quite plain that already significant steps have already been underway. But here's the catch. But the summing, the summing up, the summing up awaits the consummation which will occur at the end. And that's what, it's, it seems very contradictory when you talk about, well, I've been saved. So perhaps, I've been saved, but I still feel guilty about some things, right? This whole tension that we're talking about only gets a little more complicated because Paul talks about the fact that you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And all the commentators, you know, basically talk about at the moment of your conversion, the working of the Holy Spirit inserted in your, in your cells is 100%. It's working 100% soon as you are a Christian and onward. Right? It never, you, if, you, if you're driving on the road, yeah, your gas fuel never runs to 99%, spiritually speaking, for the Christian at the moment of conversion with the sealed, uh, with the sealed presence of the Holy Spirit. It's always 100% filled in your gas tank as you drive on the road. As strange as it is to believe, but it is. And we are to wait <laughs> for the summation of the old things to be brought into Christ. And this is, admitted for me, is the, uh, one of the most difficult things about believing in God. Like, I'm a Christian. I have 100%. My gas tank is never 99% or lower. It's always 100%. But we all have that old habits that make us feel bad. And I heard a client um, of mine talks about the gospel as a, isn't the gospel some guilt tripping? Think about that phrase. Isn't God a little guilt tripping? Isn't, is the Bible guilt tripping? One way of looking at it, controversially right here, I admit it is. You're saying that I am saved, but what about all my old habits? And you're saying, Johan, you're saying, you know, Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit is 100%. But I still hate my old habits, whatever it may be. You may struggle with your own ego or having your own sense of fear about whatever it is or self-low esteem about yourself, myself, or lust or pornography or just some type of an addiction problem that we all don't talk about. I have 
the 100% of the working of the Holy Spirit, but I still can fall at times. And don't you just hate when you do that? When your old problem, again, whatever it is, has a good bite of you? And we're to live in this tension between the already redemption, not yet fully consummated redemption, as Paul is instructing us. And I'm not here... But friends, I don't have a lot of time here, but the, um, this is a reminder for all of us as both of our pastors are going to unfold more. The gospel is real. We may all struggle, but the gospel is real and the effect of it when you believe and as you walk is real. And here I'm not talking about, you know, if, if there's one misunderstanding that you may hear by implication, I'm not talking about uh, that I have a license to continue to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's okay not to be okay, but of, of course we know. Just hear me if you're going to misunderstand. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to really stay there, right? We all want to strive out of genuine love to want to change ourselves, to become more like Christ. We want to change, and it is not okay to stay there. But friends, I just have one reminder that Ephesians talks about is that we have been adopted, and we have a new identity. We don't have to feel bad about whatever it is. Trust on His faithfulness instead of us holding on to the Lord. Trust in His faithfulness, not our faithfulness unto God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, just give you thanks for this um, reminder of the gospel, what it means to believe. You have called us, you have adopted us to be your children, to be a son and to be a daughter would you work in our hearts in ways, you know, that we may not understand so that we may become more like you, out of love for you. Convict us. Continue to love us. Continue to uphold onto our lives. It's for your glory. Amen.